the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Brian Fromm alongside Ian Simpkins. We're glad you're joining us on this rainy uh, Monday afternoon. I don't think we're ever going to see the sun again, man. Uh, I mean, I doubt it entirely. (laughs) I've reached despondency. I I looked at the long-range weather forecast because my kid plays baseball, and I told him today, I don't think you're playing. (laughs) I think your season is done. Looks like you play indoor (laughs) soccer now. That's what you play. (laughs) Your season is done. Well, we're excited to be with you today. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show or online at 1160hope.com or wherever it is you find your podcast. And you can always text us at 68683, type in CG, followed by the comment. Well, Ian, we're, we're really excited to be uh, joined in studio. That's right. Uh, by Patrick O'Connell. He's going to sit in with us for a while. I'm Woo! not sure he knows what he's getting himself into, but this is going to be fun. <laughs> so, Patrick, thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. Absolutely. Patrick, let me give you some background, is the director of New Thing, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, after graduating college and a stint in the Army, he went to work in the corporate world, becoming a vice president in an investment firm. But it's during this time he got connected uh, with community and eventually found his way back to God. And this led him to go off and to help start a church. And yep. now he's given his life to church planting That's and right. all sorts of other things. And so I guess I want to start with your story a little bit, just some background. How do you go from a vice president in an <laughs> investment firm to uh, to being in kind of church planting work and church work? That's a big change. It's a big change and it's hilarious, isn't it? It's really funny. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's uh, very funny that it's my story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think the first part is it's funny that I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, uh, but God got a hold of my life, and then uh, He got a hold of it during a time when I was kind of making my way in the corporate world, yeah. um, and found uh, just for various reasons that wasn't amounting to where I thought things were going to go. Um, I am a very poor poker player, so <laughs> I'm all in, you know. So it's like one hand, and I'm out. And then uh, <laughs> can we can we play poker? Yeah, later? Time, yeah. <laughs> Note to self. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of this thinking: Hey, if Jesus is real and the gospel is true, and uh, um, uh, the church has been doing what it's been doing for centuries, then I need to be able to give my life to it. Mm. And that led to a conversation with God about eventually planting a church. And uh, it was really after that that I got a taste of what it was to serve others who were planting churches, mm. and that really changed my life. Yeah. But. It's that simple, and it's that it's 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 a God story for sure. That's awesome. incredible. Right, I want to get into the weeds yeah. a little bit there because yeah. I know a bit of the context. Yeah. You you finding your way back back to God really is an emphasis on the word finding, right? It wasn't this uh, like meteoric moment. In fact, uh, your wife was going to church first, right? It was a sort of like uh, you should check this thing out, and you guys were 
You guys were punk rock kids, yeah. right? I think you. Yeah, I think the story met, you tell you met in a mosh pit, we right? We met in a mosh pit. We were married. We're married twenty seven years. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Nancy. Uh, and we, uh, Good man. We, uh, uh, three great kids. Yeah, we just were the unlikely people to make it in marriage. And uh, my wife was asked by a neighbor to go to community, mm-hmm. and it's just the power of the ask, you know. So, um, and that really had a profound effect on my wife. But I was. I was going to have nothing to do with it. Yeah, um, I'd grown up a little bit more of a seeker, you know, more of a, a the, the kid who was taking comparative religion in college. And uh, hey, what, what about the Buddhists? They got some mm. really cool stuff. Yeah, to say right. Too. I like their clothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like sure. their clothing. Those orange <laughs> garments could go well with my bald head. You know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was during that time I began to see some things going on in my wife's life mm-hmm. that, and, and even just ways she treated me differently some issues of forgiveness that she went through that God helped her with. Wow. And so we, we became all in at community. That's what I love about our culture at community is uh, it's all about helping people find the way back to God. Yep. And there was a safe place to do that. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, once I was involved, because uh, I'm that kind of guy, we, we got to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you didn't dip a toe in the waters then. You're like, once I'm in, I'm fully in. Like yeah. I'm... yeah, community's got a culture that... Um, invites people to get in the game. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. That's good. Uh, they're open-handed. Um, I heard about Jesus and salvation, took hold of that. But then I also heard about the mission of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that literally uh, ignited my imagination. Wow. And uh, it has been, uh, I, I've never really looked back. And so leadership development, small groups, all coaching, all the things that we do, but then eventually church planting in Kansas City. Uh, which was an amazing experience. Yeah. Bill, tell me more about that. So you you become you come to know Christ. You're growing. You're you're getting involved. That's still a big leap. Like let's go to Kansas City and help start a church. <laughs> uh, help me through that process. What's that conversation like with your wife and and just internally as you're like, you know what, I, I want to go help start a church down there. Yeah, community is a church planting church, and mm-hmm. now of course the organization that I lead, New Thing, uh, was a part of that. But there was a group of people leaving community to go to Kansas City. And the dream was to change the spiritual landscape of Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't go out there to just plant one church. And so, again, a guy like me, I'm like, yes, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, took the risk. And God showed up. uh, You know, I remember sitting down with Troy, uh, the guy who was going to lead the church. And I'm like, so how much does this church planting gig pay? uh, (laughs) That was question number one. Yeah, because I got a corporate salary, (laughs) no benefits. Company car. He just said, well, whatever you could raise. I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> like so door was, to door? Yeah. Like, I asked my mom for money. Like, she doesn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, God was good. And we raised some money and we brought a team of people out there and we planted a church. And mm. I began to coach and train church planners. Fell in love with all that stuff. Uh, went back to Wheaton. Nice. Uh, started getting that theological degree that I, I didn't have. Mm. And, uh, and then about five years ago, Dave Ferguson asked me to come back to Chicago. And we really weren't eager to do that, uh, to mm. tell you the truth. God was doing some amazing things. and uh, But yet, I kind of know now enough uh, in my journey when God's calling me to do something. And it really, for me and God, it comes down to, are you going to be obedient or not? Mm-hmm. It's the only question. There's no gray area. And I'm not saying I have any insight that any, uh, anybody else doesn't have. I'm just saying, I know when God's telling me to do something. And uh, the, the only question I'm having is, am I going to do that? Or yes. not? Yeah. And so we knew that Chicago was it. And so we came back to Chicago and I've been leading new thing ever since. Awesome. So I, I think that's kind of a million dollar question. Just as a pastor, I don't know that a week goes by that somebody doesn't ask me in some way, shape or form. How do I know God's will for my life? I, mm. Like you just kind of touched on it. Like I know 
when God's telling me to do something. So for me, it's a matter of obedience. How, how do you know so clearly? Like, I'm just curious, as Patrick O'Connell, the person, like, take us inside the head a little bit of Patrick O'Connell. Like, how, do you, how do I just know if it's obedience or disobedience and to hear the voice of God? Oh, that's a fair question, man. Um, you know, I do spend a lot of time in Scripture. So I'm a mm. reader. I'm a voracious reader. Uh, the Bible was an easy way for me to like, all right, I'm gonna f- we've got this God who's revealed himself in Scripture. That's awesome. Let's yeah. start there. Let's spend a lot of time in it. Let's be a student of the Bible. Um, I would say prayer life needs to confirm it. Mm. And, and I just have a rule that I got to pray for something for a couple of months, you know, and it doesn't, it's not 60 days, it's right. maybe a month and a half, maybe five months somewhere, you know, but, uh, it's not overnight. Yeah. Uh, if I've got the opportunity. And then the last one is what are the people in my life who I love and respect who are following Jesus have to say about it? Yep. So, um, that for me has worked. I mean, I'm sure there's other ways, but Absolutely. for me, that's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, yeah. we're off to a good start. You're listening to Patrick O'Connell, the director of New Thing. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about New Thing. What is it? Uh, and also kind of your passion to see new churches planted mm-hmm. and uh, what drives that and what do you think the future holds? So excited for this conversation. Uh, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook, as always, at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show, online at 1160hope.com or wherever it is that you get your podcast. Well, Ian and I are excited to be joined in studio by Patrick O'Connell. And again, as a way of reminder, Patrick is the director of the New Thing Network. And I guess I just want to start there. Um, uh, those of us who are pastors are like, oh, yeah, I know what New Thing is. But most people listening have no idea what we're talking about. So maybe if you can help <laughs> people understand what is this new thing that we're talking about. Oh, this is uh, something I'm passionate about for sure. Uh, it comes out of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that God is not done. He's on the move. Uh, he's a creating God. He's doing more. And uh, he asks us to be a part of it. Mm. So we would say that we're a catalyst for movements of reproducing churches. Mm. What does that mean? That... Churches, church planting in particular, give life to their local communities. Mm. And the more churches we plant, the more people get involved with the mission of God. Now, of course, there are other ways to grow the mission. There are other ways to grow the kingdom. Those are awesome. But New Thing catalyzes that, which means that we are not doctrinally or theologically aligned churches. Those are important characteristics, and and we we should be all about that. But what we're about is being friends on mission. So, uh, and if you think just about the concept of friendship, Jesus calls us friends. Mm -hmm. I think he encourages us to be friends. And then the idea is, hey, friends on mission uh, have a little bit more tolerance for each other. They're a little bit more sacrificial towards each other. Uh, So we are trying to create this collaborative environment where Mm -hmm. these churches can come together. We don't do the planting for them per se, but we catalyze it in and through them because the local church should be planting churches. Mm, yeah. That's my conviction. Yeah. And it's really around four values. Very simple. Relationships are at the core of that. Um, and it, it's about staying connected as friends, being mm. invested with one another in, <clears throat> as friends. It's about reproducing all levels of the church, that mm. every single level of the church needs to be reproduced. Yeah. Mm. The church is an organic, uh, alive system and uh, must be moving forward. And then we talk about sharing resources. By the way, it's all God's resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. everything from buildings and money to people to discipleship practices, yeah. you name it, whatever could become a kingdom asset, we say, let's, let's share it. And then the last one is residency. And for us, that's a church planter apprentice. And it's this idea that we as the church 
need to be about investing in the next generation of leaders. Mm. It's our responsibility. It's our mandate. And uh, I have very low tolerance for this inability to do this. We have got to invest in this next generation. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about teaching them the Bible. I'm talking about getting them in the mission. Come uh, on. And so that's all we do at New Thing, and we're doing that globally because God's good. Awesome. Okay, so that sounded like four R's, right? Yeah. Can you just say those four again yeah. for anyone trying, like, yeah. rushing to get a pen and write yeah. those down? They're so good. And this is on newthing.org, of course, but uh, relationships, mm-hmm. and these are in no order of priority, by the way. Got it. Relationships, reproducing, resources, and residency. That's brilliant. Okay, so here's a question that I don't think I've ever even asked you personally. Two things about your story that I, I have no context for. I've never served in the military. And I've never been a VP of a prestigious investment firm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Right. 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 The day is young. Right. Do you feel like those experiences have equipped you mm. in any capacity to mm. do what you're doing now? Is that, did that involvement change the way that your brain works, the way that you see people or movements or mission or any of that? Like, how, how have you seen those things play into what you're doing now? Yeah, I appreciate that question, man. It's only in hindsight and looking over my life, you know, how, how God's working. Yeah. I call it it's like the Joshua 4 where God's working upstream. He holds the waters, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what he was doing. Right. But yeah, when I look at the military, how to be a part of an organization that has a maniacal focus on accomplishing something. Mm. I think there's a lot of analogies to make with the church. Mm. Um, and then with business, relationship building. Mm. God uses relationships. And so our best asset are people. Bottom mm. line, period. Yes. Do we need money? Yes. Do we need leaders? Sure. But people are the asset of the kingdom. And so I would say in answer to your question, Ian, yes, army and then business been fabulous proving grounds for me. That's fantastic. Mm. So uh, trying to flesh this out a little bit more, uh, is this um, it almost sounds like a denomination, but it's not a denomination. I'm sure you guys get that question a lot. How do you answer that? If someone's like, oh, did you start your own, is new thing a denomination? Fair. Um, and I am not a um, church history scholar, mm-hmm. but I would say most denominations arise out of some theological arrangement uh, or commitment. And we, mm-hmm. we certainly are classic evangelicals. Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's true. Um, but I'm going to argue that we are a... Uh, a centered set organization versus a bounded set. And uh, what I mean by that, and this is taking maybe back to math class, you know, in high school days. So, <laughs> sorry. I didn't do well with those. Sorry, yeah, same, I. Same. I had to go back. And, <laughs> trust me. I just, you know, but a centered set, we can be about those four R's mm-hmm. and nobody has to be in control. Whereas in a bounded set, somebody has to be in control. Oh, I'm not in control of new thing. Mm. Like nobody answers to me, right? Or Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson, our founding uh, visionaries. What we are doing is we're making commitments to each other. So unlike a denomination, we are trying to keep the uh, reproducing at the fringe. We are trying to keep it at the local level. Hmm. And nobody's answering to me like, oh, here's how I did my job this year. Interesting. Um, I'm, sign off on it. Yes. No, because we're friends. We should be about the same thing. Hmm. Let's help each other. And new thing will stand by you and support and encourage and help and, and come in alongside you in any way we can. And we do have deliverable platforms, yep, but right. that's really our ethos. So it sounds like that, in a lot of ways, is the engine to not just success in North America, but globally, because those feel like principles that transcend culture and context. Like, when I even hear, I remember it was like my first or second month at Community, I was walking down the hallway, and you were set up somewhere in the cafe, and I just overheard you say, 
well, Nairobi's ready to plant. And I like, <laughs> and I like paused. I was like, where do I work? Like, what <laughs> universe is this that Patrick's having a conversation yeah. with somebody I know in a different state about Nairobi yeah, being yeah. ready to plant? And like, like, do you find that like having that be your center, your center ethos has helped transcend some of maybe the more uh, global barriers that other church plant networks have had? Totally. Really? Yeah, I, I think um, it's a great question. Uh, if you think about the gospel and the history of the church and the history of the, the movement of Jesus or the mission of Jesus, it does transcend cultures. Mm. So why? Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, um, but and obviously we're not going to get into them today, but I do think that the church in its best expression is collaborative mm. in nature and that the more that we are collaborative, uh, and collaborate together, the more glory God gets. Mm. And so anything that prevents me from collaborating with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I probably should just check myself yeah. <laughs> and just ask, is this tradition mm. or is this theology? That's great. Right? Yeah. Is this something that I was just brought up to think is right? Because if you think about the church in Nairobi, Kenya, or the church in Laos, or the church in Sri Lanka, after we, you know, those terrible bombings. Yeah, right. Um, those churches look and feel and taste different, but yep. Jesus is still mm. the head of those churches. That's good. And we'd rather focus on that piece of it and kind of be okay with let's focus on the majors and the minors. Yeah. It's okay if we have some differences. Yeah, let's no just kidding. be friends and talk through them. That's so good. Do you think that's what stops us from being willing to collaborate? It's more of a focus on the minors, it's more what makes us different than. What is it that unifies? Because when I hear you, I'm like, collaboration sounds wonderful, but then you look across the landscape and there's mm. not a lot of collaborating going on. So I wonder what you think stops us from being more open to collaboration. Yeah, I think uh, we forget that collaboration is a skill set, mm. and we just don't enter into collaboration and still remain uh, in the mindset we entered into collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration requires that I sacrifice and give up some elements of what I'm trying to do so that I can help you do what, what God's trying to do through that's you. That's good. Yeah. That's the challenge of collaboration. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's good stuff. Let's keep them. Yeah. Let's the, keep them. We're going to keep going into the next segment. We're excited to be joined by Patrick O'Connell. Coming up next, we're going to keep talking about the church and keep talking about new thing and all sorts uh, of other things. So you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. We're glad that you're joining us on this rainy Monday afternoon. And we are uh, really excited to continue to be joined by Patrick O'Connell. Patrick is the director of New Thing. And you can learn more about New Thing at newthing.org. That's newthing.org. Yeah, Patrick, you were just talking about the uh, significance of collaboration in your model. And I know that. I can only assume somebody listening might be thinking, did he just say that our theological distinctions aren't important or mm -hmm. that we shouldn't care about doctrine? And I know that you're not saying that at all, but would you speak to some of that rub? Because I feel like sometimes that very much is the barrier to true collaboration because mm -hmm. we're like, oh, they, they're a pipe organ church and we're a drums and electric guitar <laughs> church. We could never – like you're not saying throw all distinctions out the window or even all tradition out the window, that those things don't need to be – a barrier to collaboration. Could you, could you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, not a bit. And uh, tradition is good. Mission is better. That's Ooh. all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Light up the text line. <laughs> That's so so um, because I do believe, if, if, let's just talk about the Gospels. If you mm -hmm. go back to the Gospels, which I, I do, and I imagine many listeners do, um, they're easiest to read, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. Don't start so in Leviticus. Right. Right. Um, 
But if you look at what Jesus is trying to accomplish, he's trying to start something. And his intent is that this thing that he's starting, uh, of course, theologians can speak into this, but this thing that he's starting is going to continue beyond him. Well, how does he do that? He invests in a very small group of individuals and basically says, you're going to have to figure this out. Hmm. And he doesn't give them a whole lot to go on. Power of the Spirit, prayer, Mm. Uh, grow closer to the, I mean, mm. so when, when I, uh, about mm. a year ago, I was feeling, you know, new things, an awesome organization, but like all of us, I want my life to matter and I want to give it to something. And I want to make sure that I'm doing all I can to motivate, inspire, equip the church to collaborate, to grow the kingdom of God through church planting. So I went back to the gospels and I said, all right, what is Jesus actually saying to do yeah. in this concept of collaboration? And I came to three things. Uh, there's many more than these, but these are the three essentials as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, number one is the great commission of Matthew 28. Mm. It's clear. Now, Jesus does say, go make disciples and baptize. I get that. But we're just going to talk and say more churches will yeah. do those things, yes. right? right? So the great commission. The second one is the great commandment. Mm. You know, our posture, our ethos needs to be the people of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, We'll just leave it at that. So let's go to Mark 12. <laughs> let's not. No, let's not <laughs> we are to be uh, the witnesses of God's love in yeah, the world. That's right. Um, and I, that's, by the way, these are commandments. These aren't suggestions. Yeah. These aren't, these are, these are, I'm asking you, I'm telling you to go do these. And, yes, yeah, yes. and then the last one is out of John 17. Mm-hmm. And then Paul picks it up in 1 Corinthians 12. And I've just, I just started calling it the great collaboration. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I'm paraphrasing here, basically says, your unity will be a witness to the world. That's right. And then I started thinking about my old punk rock days and my, mm. my old days as a non-believer. And I'll tell you what, one of the biggest challenges I had with the church was y'all aren't on the same page. Mm. You don't even seem to like each other. You don't even seem to like right. each other. This yeah. guy's calling this guy this and that. And, right. and I'm sure there's all good reasons for it. But that's where I get back to the mission. The mission is what matters. The yeah. mission gives life. Not theology. If I think about the New Testament, I love the New Testament. I am a theologian myself, yeah. but the, the, the New Testament is a missional document. Mm. It's written as Paul and others are on the move. They're writing about the church. They're writing about this mission. They didn't stop and go back to Jerusalem and right. say, all right, let's, let's get all the rules down. Yeah. <laughs> So Jesus yeah. even says, right, even greater things, things you, you will, will do. learn. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah right. do. <laughs> Go do them. Right, right. Well said. Yeah. yeah. So that's where collaboration comes from. Hmm. Cool. I want to keep pushing in on this collaboration one. Why do you think we're all pastors and uh, pastors? I've told this to someone the other day and they were really surprised by this. I said, we're the most competitive people, you know, but we tend to be competitive with each other. Mm. It's like, how big's your church versus mine? It's not, oh, how can we work together to conquer this? And so I'm wondering how you fight. A, I'm wondering why you think that is. Because now, even when I say it, it sounds weird, right? That we're (laughs) competitive with each other and like the size of our church when the grand scheme of things doesn't really matter. And then I'm wondering how you fight that in new things. I'm guessing there's probably a little bit of competitiveness that comes out even within there. And so why do we think churches do that? Why do we think pastors do that? And then how do you fight that in your organization? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, what I would bring it back to is... um, it's about the kingdom, not our castles. Mm. Now you're asking the why question. Um, I think part of the why question is we've forgotten that along the way. Um, I think there's a little bit of desert mentality in uh, the body uh, that 
seems to believe it's responsible for doing everything and forgets that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in and through us. Yeah. And we just don't trust God enough. So we're going to we're going to control it. We're going to label it. We're going to market it. We're going to make sure. And I, I'm not I'm not criticizing any of those things. Yeah. Right. I do all those things. Totally. Same. But you're asking a very important question. Um, but at the end of the day, in my heart of hearts, I must submit my castle to the kingdom. Mm. If not, I'm, I'm a fake. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not true to what this thing is all about. Yeah. And so I think we struggle with that even culturally. Mm. We live in the United States of America. You're, you, you know, you're yes. aware of that. <laughs> I love our country, yeah. but we do have an individualistic culture. Yeah. What I mean by that is only in contrast or in comparison to other cultures. Mm. If you go to Africa or parts of Asia, you find much more communal cultures. Yeah. So it's interesting when I'm doing new thing trainings in other countries, um, their first response, unlike the American pastors, and I love you guys, uh, <laughs> unlike the American pastor, is how do we do this together? That's good. Because in their, uh, in, in their um, uh, ethos, they don't have all the resources that we might have. They have different strengths and weaknesses. Right. And so I think just in the United States, what we've got to do is just be responsible to our sense of individualism that we bring to the church hmm. and just make sure that we continue to submit ourselves mm. to the kingdom and listen, the greatest churches in the world will be gone one day yep. and the oh, kingdom wow. will endure. That's, good. That's really good. I, so that reminded me of a conversation. One of the things that I love about just knowing you as a friend and having you local and, and maybe we'll get to this later. You're also pastoring one of our locations right now, which this segment might as well just be brought to you by caffeine. I don't know how, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how you do it, man. But I remember, so Charles and Chero did a residency with yeah. us, and we were writing a talk together, and that's, again, we yeah. write collaboratively. I love that about yeah. our, our, our church and culture. And we were debating about whether or not to, to go into this topic of power, God's power. Mm-hmm. People were feeling kind of wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. And Charles says, that is so strange to me yeah. that you guys are waffling on that. He said, and then I'll never forget this, he said, we talk about power constantly because we always feel so powerless. And in America, you guys talk about presence because you feel so alone. Wow. And I thought, what an insight. And I thought about the last 10 sermons I gave. I'm always talking about presence because yep. of this isolation, because of this tendency towards individualism. How, how do we get better at that? Because plenty of people listening aren't church planners or not pastors. Just as Christ followers, how, how do we come out of hiding a little bit and actually engage one another in a collaborative sense to find a way forward? Yeah. It's a fantastic question. I think we've got to wake up a little bit and realize, and you know, our great friend Dave Ferguson has got this idea of, um, and I think he's taken it from others, but Dave gets the credit, <laughs> um, but my fruit grows on other people's trees, yeah. Yeah. and that I wake up every day to be a hero maker. And um, I think we've just got more to wrestle with in the American church mm-hmm. because maybe we are resourced. We're not bad. I'm not making any right. criticism here. But I think God's calling us to uh, submit a little bit more in that way. Mm. And that's, that's good for spiritual growth. Yeah, I think that's a positive. Yeah. But I think that's one of the biggest reasons. And then, you know, as the culture changes and moves against the church, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to constantly pu- try to pull us back into the desert, if yeah, you will. That's good. And it's going to be like this, this um, scarcity mentality rather than this abundance mentality. That's really we got to beat that. Yeah, yeah no absolutely. kidding. No kidding, man. We're excited to be joined by Patrick O'Connell. Again, he's the director of New Thing. You can find out more at newthing.org. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about church planting and more so about the mission of the church and uh, what we all see going on kind of in our communities and our area. So that's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You can always find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can text us any of your questions, comments, uh, just reactions to the people we've been talking to. You can do that at 68683. That's 68683. Type in CG and whatever uh, you want to share with us is good. Well, we're going to be share. Uh, we're going to spend some time, a little bit more time, with Patrick O'Connell. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. This has been a lot of fun. My privilege. The time, the time has flown by. It by really the way, man. I love, I love hearing your they, heart. They I call me the king here. of funitas. <laughs> <laughs> Laid back and fun. Calls <laughs> you that? Don't tell him. Yep. <laughs> His wife is texting now. Nobody. <laughs> It's all my new approach to life. Yeah, that's good. I like it. You're, it. you're very zen right yeah, now. Right, right. It's the old speak it into existence, yeah, and it is right. true. Patrick is the director of New Thing. Global director, global by the way. Yeah. Global director of New Thing. And if you want to find out more, we've been talking about what New Thing is. You can find it on the podcast if you missed it. But you can go to newthing.org. That's newthing.org. And Patrick... Uh, as we have a couple more minutes together, just how can people get involved? What does even getting involved look like hmm. uh, in New Thing? That's a great question. Um, so what we've tried to do over the last couple of years was create these platforms for collaboration. So uh, not to get into too much of the weeds, but I could if you're interested. <laughs> we, um, we try to help churches move from um, one to five. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the Exponential Conference, uh, but level one, two, three, four, five. We know that level five is movement. We're trying to help churches get there. Mm. So what does it take to get to movement? Well, it means that we got to learn how to reproduce at the micro level. Uh, we got to reproduce small groups. Yeah. We got to reproduce artists. We got to reproduce drummers. I mean, everybody needs drummers, <laughs> yes. right? We need that one. Uh, um, I'm a drummer. If anyone listening, okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> then you have to apprentice another drummer. What are you doing nah, here? I'm very convicted. Very convicted. <laughs> I'd like to learn the drums. <laughs> <laughs> Ian is going to start an yeah. apprenticeship with drumming. I love it. Um, but then, in all seriousness, that will allow us to reproduce at the macro. Mm. So the easiest way to get in touch with us is newthing.org. Uh, we've got a, a, a form that you could fill out. We come alongside churches. Uh, very important to understand that we're not asking you to change families. We're not asking you to leave your family. We're not asking you to leave your denominational tribe. It's just about this idea of let's come together mm-hmm. in the spirit of the mission around these four values mm. and align ourselves together to accomplish more together, which, by the way, is the nature of partnership. Yeah. That's, right. what partner, that's the definition of partnership is helping each other do what we couldn't do on our own. Yes. And so that's what we do. That's so good. All right, so I, I think maybe the level stuff might be new to a lot of people. Okay. Would you give us just a brief overview of one through five and h- how you see that shifting? Because I think we've talked uh, in other segments about most are at level three, which I think is um, that's kind of the plateauing area. Yes, that's- yeah, kind of. The churches are moving there. Yeah, very quickly. This is work done by the exponential church mm-hmm. planning conferences, and so maybe you can share the link with your viewers. Um, but um, what they've determined is, and these are just rough uh, rough segments here. Um, 80% of churches in the United States are level one or two. Now level one is a church that is in decline hmm. and level two is a church that is plateaued. Wow. Level three, about 16% of the churches in the United States are churches that are growing. Wow. And then level four, it's about four to 5%. And in the West, and I say the United States, Western Europe, uh, the Western cultures, uh, we have zero statistical church planting movements. There are anomalies, hmm. um, but you would have to go to Africa or the East to find true church planting movements as defined by theologians and missiologists. No kidding. So what we're trying to do is help more churches achieve 
uh, higher levels of reproducing yeah. uh, because healthy things reproduce. And by the way, it's not to cast judgment on churches yeah. that aren't reproducing. It's just to acknowledge that the church has a natural life cycle. Yes. And so we've created these environments we call one catalyst community we call one one of my favorite acronyms of all time LARN <laughs> L-A-R-N right? L-A-R-N yep. launching a reproducing network and catalyst community and LARN along with a third we call it the multiplying church practicum all mm. these are on our website yep. um, are ways that churches could be a part of what we're up to yeah. and then in Chicago here we've got uh, new thing networks in Chicago so if you're a local Chicago church, we'd love to talk to you about that. And then uh, at Exponential at the Yellow Box in November, we will have our new thing gathering the day mm. before, which is November 4th. And again, more information on our website about that. Yeah. Well, let me tee one up for you here. Yeah. I'm just going to tee one up and let you just <laughs> whack it. Uh, so especially around here, we hear a lot of bad things about churches, right? Um, we all know the names, but just a lot of stuff. It's literally on the front page of our newspapers right now. Uh, so there's a lot of beat down about local churches. There's also a lot of beat down. You know, you read this survey and less people are going to church. You read this. Yet when I hear you, you're very hopeful about the church and the future of the church. Uh, so where does that hope come from? Am I right? Are you hopeful for the, lo- for the local church going forward? And what gives you that hope? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mission gives me hope. Mm-hmm. This mission of 2,000 years, this mission that Jesus birthed uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit. As far as I can tell, the Holy Spirit's still alive and working. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, and uh, so, yeah, is there, are there challenges in the church? Of course. Mm-hmm. Our task is always to contextualize the gospel. Mm-hmm. It must be an ongoing uh, challenge for us to face, but we shouldn't become despondent mm. or become... Um, uh, become uh, dependent on our systems and our structures to yeah. do that. We should leave that to God. Now, I'm not trying to be simplistic about it either. Um, I would say one of the reasons people don't go to church is um, they are very smart. Mm. You know, people who uh, are spiritually seeking are also very smart people. And I think, frankly, and this is my own story speaking as well, we have sometimes, in a good effort to help them, but in a good effort, we have made Jesus very small. Mm. And, hey, come to church. Give a little, sing a little, buy a couple of T-shirts, maybe read your Bible. You're good to go. Yep. That's not what Jesus has set out to right, do. Right. And I would say, let's ask people to follow something more profound. Let's ask them to encounter Jesus in our churches, whatever mm, that looks like. That's good. Because when people encounter Jesus, it's going to change their lives. Yeah. You know, smoke machines and drum machines and all that are awesome. I'm so glad we have them. <laughs> but we need to help people experience Jesus in yeah. profound and intimate ways. That's why the beauty of the local church, because we need diverse expressions of that. See, I hope I answered your question. Uh, so great, good. Yes, this, you honestly, if I could just get sappy yeah. on air, that's one of the things I love about you because you have this incredible capacity to not only be this big picture, you're, you're, you think strategy, you think mission, but you also have the heart of a pastor. I really think I that you do, and I've seen that firsthand. And one of the things that Brian and I have discovered with the show is that uh, radio, for for whatever reason, for a lot of people, is sort of like a front door. They're not ready to go to church yet. Maybe they've left church. They've been burned, and radio is like a safe place to maybe dip a toe back in those waters. And so we've talked global. We've talked church planning. We've talked Mm -hmm. conferences. In the last minute and a half or so, can we just get Pastor Patrick and just offer some encouragement, some hope, some um, just some life maybe in some tired bones of people that are like— do I even give this church thing another shot? Yeah. 
It's so well said, man. I remember even being in the Army and listening uh, to Christian radio way back in the day. Now, I hated it, but, <laughs> um, but, but God was using it and yeah. planted seeds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say for those of you who are challenged by the church, um, I, I wouldn't let anything get in the way of Jesus. And mm. uh, let yourself experience Jesus in the local church mm. in ways that are uh, transformative to you. Mm. Uh, and I'm not arguing to make it up. I am saying don't let the traditions and the doctrines and the, um, the ecclesiology, as we say, of the church get in your way of a spiritual relationship. That's good. And I would say that, like all of us, human beings, we, we just want a couple of things. We want to belong. Uh, we want to be known. Yeah. And no better place and no better man to do that than Jesus yeah. and the Holy Spirit and God. I mean, that's down to it. And that's I'm so just good. speaking from personal experience. That's Absolutely. so good, man. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming no, in. This won't be the last time. If you'll Not come back, we'll do Please. it again. This has been great. And uh, we're thankful for the time. Again, you've been listening to Patrick O'Connell, the director of New Thing. You can find out more at newthing.org. That's newthing.org. Well, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.